0: Hey, welcome everyone to Crosspoint Scripture Podcast. Uh, so good to have you with us again. Um, what episode are we on? Uh, this is 13. Hey, cool. So 13 episodes, and it's a good thing we're Christians, not superstitious. So uh, episode 13 is going to be great, just like all the other ones have been. Um, we're going to dive into the verse of the day um, from Version For today, it comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. But before we get there, um, we've had some progress and making the uh, podcast easier to get to and find on your favorite services, but that's definitely not my strength, and so I wanted Easton Walker, our sound engineer, technical wizardry guy, to explain it to you. Easton. Hey, guys. So we recorded on Monday and Tuesday of this week, but uh, we actually ran out of hours to post on SoundCloud. So the last couple days, we've been working on getting the podcast moved to our own uh, website that hosts our podcasts and distributes to spotify and apple podcasts so apple Podcasts is still getting uh reviewed so that will hopefully be up uh in the next couple of days but everything's on spotify right now and everything's on our website which will be usually what is linked on uh, on facebook so yeah and then uh easton on spotify they just search Crosspoint one word Crosspoint. With no e at the end, we're not the French Crosspoint. We're just Crosspoint Scripture. So mm-hmm. if they if they search Crosspoint Scripture on Spotify, there we are. Yep, there will be thirteen episodes on right there today. On. So. right on. Okay, now I'm excited about that because Spotify is one of my favorites, and um, so it's neat to be on there. And we are just making the podcast more accessible for you guys. And I'm excited about that website. Okay, well here we go. Hebrews chapter four verse sixteen was our verse of the day from you version. So reading here from the ESV, it says, "Let us then." With confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I think a well-known verse, I've definitely heard it many times and very encouraging. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. You've gotta love that. It could be a throne of power, a throne of judgment, um, a throne of many things, but uh, here in inspired scripture, the word's chosen, the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right, now this um, comes from Hebrews, and um, I'd love to take a survey, and maybe this is something we'll be able to do in the future, but um, I would love, at times like this, I would love to take a survey and be able to ask all you listeners, hey, who out there, your favorite book of the Bible is Hebrews? Because I think we'd get a really mixed response. I think a lot of people are intimidated by Hebrews. It's a long book for the New Testament. Um, it starts hard. <laughs> so the writer is like trying to help a a church of people who evidently tended to worship angels or to think that angels were at least as important as Jesus and or to wonder if Jesus was an angel. And that's so like if you were looking for topics that were completely irrelevant to 21st century Americans at least the ones I know and the ones that I minister to here around me, it would be hard to find one more than that. You know, it's kind of like going, "Hey, there's this whole section in the Bible, and it's here to talk to us about whether we should or should not eat shellfish. So that's in there. You know, we could do a scripture podcast on whether Christians are allowed to eat shellfish because uh, ancient Israelites were not allowed to. And there's reasons to, and has that changed? And what about the diet? So it's in there. But I have a feeling that if that was the headline, That would not be our most listened to podcast, you know. Am I allowed to eat shellfish or not? I think 99.9% of our listeners would say, I don't eat shellfish and I might struggle to even pick one out of a lineup. And then the other 0.1% of you are going, I eat shellfish and I don't feel convicted, so I'm going to keep going. So I was just curious how many read Hebrews because I think there's some intimidation there. It starts hard. It's long. And then it's one of the most um, elevated in language. So it's like really well written in it's ancient language that it was written in. And then it's an argument. It's a pretty extensive, like extensive sermon that hangs together really well. So if you pull pieces out of it, you're gonna feel really confused at times. So those are all the things that make Hebrews hard. But what's funny is Hebrews has so many powerful things in it, like here, if you've heard this before, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles and run the race that is set before us. That comes from Hebrews. Um, this verse, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, find grace, help, in time of need. Hebrews. Um, the great uh, hall of fame for faith, which is uh, chapter 11, Hebrews 11, that has all these awesome stories, you know, about the heroes of the faith. Um is a beautiful chapter and comes to this great crescendo at the end. And I think a lot of people have heard of it before. That's in Hebrews. So it's just interesting to me how many people love the book. So anyway, um, why am I going to all this? Well, for one, it's to talk about the larger context of our verse. You know how we like to do that? So the larger context of our verse is this sermon slash letter. So there's a little bit of debate. Is it a letter or sermon? Um, I think, and most people that I read think that it's kind of like, which one is it, letter, sermon? The answer is yes. So it's a little bit of a combination. Uh, who wrote it? Great historical biblical mystery. It's anonymous. But whoever wrote it knew Timothy. We know that from the end. Uh, you know Timothy, who was a, um, a mentee of the Apostle Paul. So there's, of course, lots of people say, obviously, Paul wrote it. There's reasons to think not. You know, the language, some other reasons. Um, we don't get into all that here. Just you know you can check out all kinds of resources about that kind of stuff Um, crosspoint scripture podcast we try to stick um, just a little bit closer uh, to home so who wrote it not sure but the bottom line is it is written to a church and it seems because of the subject matter that's brought up it seems that it was written to a church primarily of hebrew christians israelite christians Um, why is that that's why it's been given the name hebrews And why do we think that? Like I said, because it's so much of it It concerns the tabernacle and the temple and the mercy seat and the sacrifices and the Old Testament scriptures and on and on and how these things look from the position of Jesus is the promised Messiah and the Son of God. Okay, so that's the larger context. That'll help us a little bit here because when we look at the smaller context, we're going to be talking about a high priest, which is something, again, we could do an entire kind of thing on high priest, what does it mean? Where do you see it in the Old Testament? We just don't have time for that. So I'm giving you that overall thing, that Hebrews was written to a group of Christians who apparently were primarily Israelite Hebrews. And um, so that's our larger context. Now, as far as the smaller context, um, I think, again, I wish I could have all you guys out there like press a button, tell me what the words are that let us know we need to look at what came before us before this verse, and I think you guys are getting it now because look, how's it start? Let us then, okay, let us then. That means he's referencing something that comes before. And if you don't know what comes before, then you don't have a basis for what this verse is telling you to do, right? Let us then with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. You might be left saying, I still don't draw near to God's throne with confidence. I'm still nervous. Does he love me? What's going on? How how does he think of me? What about my sin? And I think all those things are understandable. And this verse is meant to help you there, but not on its own. So if you struggle to approach God's throne, if you struggle to know it's a throne of grace, that's okay. Verse 16 was not meant to cure all that for you. It is the payoff of the entire chapter four. Okay, verse 16 is the last verse in the entire chapter. So um, it's another place where context means so much. So then let's read our verse. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How can I know what is my confidence based on? What's the let us therefore? So we go back to verse 14. If you're reading the ESV, it's possible that you have a heading there, Jesus, the great high priest. If you're reading from a different version, it may or may not say something along those lines. But in the ESV, it says, Jesus, the great high priest, starting in verse 14, it says, since then we have a great high priest. Now, you guys are already saying, I think there's more context needed because this even starts since then. And you're right. Uh, that points back to what I said. Hebrews is woven together, each thing building upon the, on the next. And so it becomes so important that you work your way systematically through it. But it's not a lost cause if you don't do that. It's just the more context, you know, the better. So we could just keep backing up. Why does it say since then? Well, there's a reason, but let's just keep on the main road here. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. That's our faith in him, Jesus, the son of God. We confess that he is our Lord, that he died for us, that he rose again. You see that? He has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15 for we do not have a high priest. This is very key for we do not have a high priest. There is referencing Jesus Christ who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So it's a huge proclamation of faith in who Jesus was. And it's just like, I mean, this is a golden verse in the Bible. It has so much in it, it has Jesus's sinlessness, it has the fact that um, he was our high priest. Um, if you, you, There's so much could be said here, so forgive me for boiling down, but it's just what we have to do. Go back to the Old Testament, you had your priests, but then you had the high priest, and once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, not anyone else, just him, would be sac- you know sanctified in these various ways, sprinkling of blood, put on the correct clothes, so on and so forth, and he would take a sacrifice of blood that was supposed to atone for the sins of all the people, and he would go into the Holy of Holies. No one else is supposed to be there except that high priest, that once a year. He goes in there where the Ark of the Covenant is, the mercy seat with the cherubim blocking it with their wings, and so on like that, and he would sprinkle the blood before before the thing as a for the sins of all the people. And you would have to do the same thing the next year on the Day of Atonement, okay? So it's pulling on all those pictures and it's saying that was a picture of something that Jesus did once for all. In Hebrews, the book will make this whole argument. If you're like, man, I wanna know more about that, then you need to check out the whole book of Hebrews because what's um, drawn out in there is that Jesus fulfills that picture. So the high priest going once a year on the Day of Atonement into the Holy of Holies with blood to sprinkle Was a picture or a foretaste of Jesus coming, shedding his own blood. Okay, there's just so there's riches there. It's not the blood of an animal; it's his own innocent blood that was sprinkled, so to speak, uh, before the mercy seat of God and atoned for the sins of the people, not once, but for all time. Okay, and since Jesus fit that high priest thing, but was without sin. He didn't have to sprinkle the blood of an animal a goat or anything he needed to sprinkle he was able to to give his own life and he himself was the high priest the perfect high priest so the high priest stood in for the rest of the people do you see that he was a representative of the rest of the people he went in on their behalf and jesus did the same thing for us he went to the cross on our behalf and his own blood was sprinkled And then in Hebrews, you get this word where it says, a new and living way was opened to God through the flesh of Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? So Jesus opened this new and living way for us to approach God without fear of punishment and wrath because his blood was sprinkled to atone for our sins, okay? So there's just so much there. It says riches, right? And that's all packed into this verse, Jesus, the son of God, Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So a high priest was chosen from among the people because God did not see the priest, the high priest, as a somehow holier and better than the rest of the people. You have to watch that kind of thinking about priests in Israel. They weren't seen as being holier or better than other people. They were representatives from among the people to stand in for the whole group. And they weren't chosen because they were good. They were chosen because they were Israelites and they were from the tribe of Aaron, from his family. And so they're chosen to represent the people and to represent their weaknesses. So in Leviticus and other places, it's like the priest needs to understand what it's like to be a human and to be sinful and to be weak. He needs to understand that so he can minister to the people properly. That puts in a whole neat aspect of the fact that Jesus, you know, that God chose to be incarnated as a human being, Jesus Christ, born of the virgin Mary. You know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but here's a here's a key one as he's following that pattern where Jesus became one of us. He took humanity into himself yet without sin. So he understands us and was one of us except for he was not corrupted by sin. There's just, there's riches here. So my head's spinning a little bit. But one who is like us in every respect. Okay, so what's the point to our verse? The point is, Jesus has taken, not only has he atoned for your sins, so he's the great, high God, the incarnate Son of God. How can you understand Jesus? He's not like me. I don't know anyone else like Jesus. He ascended to heaven. You know, he was crucified. He died. He was in the grave three days. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. He's coming back from there. I don't understand Jesus. Right. That's a part of him. He's the Holy Son of God. But what's the other part of him is he He was one of us. He, If you had been with him, like Peter, John, the rest of the disciples and his other followers, if you had been near Jesus and with him, he would have been another human being to you. You could have been his friend. You would have understood him. He would have understood you. He would have loved you personally. Not in some, my eyes are glowing and I'm levitating a few feet off the ground holy there's a ring of gold above my head no jesus was one of us he was a human and he understood people and then the bible is very clear that he was tempted and then here in 15 it makes it so explicit he was tempted in every way as we are in every respect is what the esv says there is nothing you're going through that jesus hasn't heard of before and doesn't understand the pull of it's pretty neat especially because Christians uh, uh, confess that Jesus is God; He's the incarnation of God Himself. God understands the pull of temptation, what you're going through. Okay, so I mean, to me, that's just awesome. There's very few places in the Bible that that are just just glow like this, you know. So He was tempted in respects we are, yet was without sin. Okay, so it's sitting on the solid foundation or the back of verses 14 and 15 that you get verse 16. Okay. So what a foundation. I mean, that's powerful. So that's some of the most powerful stuff in the Bible, the New Testament. And it's sitting on top of that that it says, let us then with confidence. Now now you can see. So you still may struggle with it. You may, I don't know. Okay, I need to think about this. And that's all good. I don't expect you to be cured or anything. But this is a good place to meditate on if you struggle with guilt, condemnation, and fear of God in the wrong way. Because you look at this, this is the Bible itself letting you see Jesus as understanding all the temptations that you face and having complete mercy on you and taking care of the penalty of your sin and having taken the cost upon himself and he still stands as your high priest your representative before god it's because of that that you have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace that you that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need so if you're going through anything today and uh even if those things you're going through are the type of things that god condemns as sin do you understand a lot of times we think we can take problems to god as long as it's like pure problems like i don't have enough money to pay the rent you know like something along those lines then it's okay to talk to god about it but if the problem is i'm tempted to sin or i'm involved in this situation that's all icky because of my own actions and those are absolutely things you need to talk to god about you need to draw near to the throne of grace and go god I am a sinner. Look at me. I'm I'm all involved in this nonsense, and I need help. He is not going to send you away empty-handed. That's what these verses are letting us know and giving confidence for. Okay? So good stuff. And then, okay, now we see where do we see Jesus in these verses. Again, easy for us because Jesus is in our context here okay let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need and why can we do that because of jesus so he's like in there but what i love to do is just dig maybe just a little bit deeper and this helps me a lot if it doesn't help you email me and let me know why because to me it's so important and i'll tell you what it is as you see jesus going through his ministry and his life in the gospels it helps me so much to know what was his motivation like what well, Where did Jesus get strength? What was he motivated by? How did he, you know, why did he react the way he did? Because that's what I need. You know, I live in 21st century America, not first century uh, Israel. I need, so I'm different than Jesus, but I'm the same as Jesus because I'm a human. I need to know it's my motives, my heart. You know, I don't know what kind of clothes Jesus would wear in America. Neither do you. But I'm wondering, what was his heart? What was his motives? Like, how can I be like him and learn what he was thinking? And what's in, it's so cool when the Bible gives us some insight there. Okay, so if you go through the Gospels and you see, what did Jesus do in time of need? He drew near to the throne of grace because he knew he would receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Isn't that cool? And it throws a, it throws a light on a lot of incidences from the Gospel. Like, how did Jesus stand there while people falsely accused him? Well, the Bible's letting us know. He stood there quietly while people said all kind of nonsense about him because he knew he was standing before the throne of grace and he was finding mercy and help in time of need. He looked to the Father always not to people to save him. And that's a lesson that you know we can all learn from, me too. Okay? So what was Jesus motivated by? He always had confidence before God. That's what I'm saying. Jesus had this confidence before God, and a lot of times you're saying, well, that's it. you know. he was Jesus, he had confidence. No, you need to stop thinking like that. The Bible says you can have confidence too. Is God with me in the hospital waiting room? Yes. Is God with me on the street? Yes. Is he with me as I'm being fired from my job? Yes. Is he with me in traffic? Is he with me in the living room? Is he with me when I get up in the middle of the night and can't sleep because of worries and stress and fear? Yes. He's always with you. He's not trying to get away from you. And he wants you, when you're having issues of any kind, even sin issues, he wants you to draw near to him with confidence. Okay, all right. Enough preaching on the Crosspoint Scripture Podcast, okay? Um, Great episode today. Uh, Of course, I think so. I'm the one who did it. But really helping me and encouraging me. So I hope it does the same for you guys. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow um, for our um, conversational episode where Easton's going to make his scripture request and give a little background as to why he chose that scripture. And then we'll just see if we can make our way through it by sticking to the context and the original author and Jesus in the scripture. All right. See you then.